grab your Bible, go to Luke chapter 15. Title of this sermon is Joy to the One Who Wins Souls. Uh, someone misunderstood what I said in, in pre-service prayer, and they thought I said, um, happy is the one who whistles. <laughs> and so, um, could you all on the count of three just whistle for me? Ready? One, two, three. That's nice. That's really nice. That's really nice. I actually was in a church service once. It was a Christmas. It was a Christmas Eve service. And I don't know, Tanya, I'm trying to remember if you were there. You might have been there. But my good friend Sergio got up with his guitar and he was playing like the first Noel or something. And they said, all right, now everybody whistle with me. And he got the entire church to whistle. And I was like, I've, I've never been here before. This is, this is new territory. We're all whistling together. Uh, but happy is the one who wins souls. We've been talking the last four weeks about joy. And when things get dark, when things are heavy or whatever, there's, there's need for us to grow in joy. And uh, it's, it's been an interesting journey for me walking through this. And here was kind of a recap on some of the things that we talked through. Joy is to the one who resists the ways of the world, delights in God and receives God's ways. Um, Joy is to the one that says, God, I'm not going to be the leader of my life, but I make you the leader of my life. Joy is to the one who sows in tears because they will reap with joy. And in other words, there's an intentional space. You want joy. There's a space of being intentional to sow the right things. And then today, joy in winning souls, joy in bringing people uh, to know Jesus. So in Luke, uh, I think Luke 15, 7, it says this, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost person who repents and returns to God than over 99 people who are righteous and haven't strayed away. We were, uh, we were at, uh, I think it was Olive Garden. This was like a year ago. And uh, you know how I think it was Bill Richardson came and he asked the question, hey, how can I pray for you? Like, good thing to ask. So we actually, we're doing that. We're sitting there and this gal's sitting there and we're saying like, well, hey, how can I, how can I pray for you? And she immediately like comes to tears and starts talking to us about, I think about her family and like a bunch of just struggling. And then we got to like pray with her and had this really epic time with her. And another time we were at another restaurant and uh, again, same thing. This guy's there, we pray for him, and he starts telling us about his grandpa who has, has like, um, his lungs are kind of failing on him. He's after his shift. He's going to go see his grandpa if we could be praying for his grandpa. And, and there was several different times where we just kind of made ourselves available and said, hey, how can we pray for you? Or, hey, can I tell you about what God's done in my life? And I have found that I get so much joy when you encourage somebody. When you share good news, life-giving help to someone, it transforms your day. Now, we're not doing that just so we feel good, but the reality is there's a joy in sharing Jesus with people. There are three types of people that need to hear from God. Now, there's probably like 45, but these are the ones that I saw from John 15. And that's wandering sheep, lost coins, and reckless sons. 15, 3 through 7 says, So Jesus told them a parable. What man of you, 
having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, rejoice with me for what I had, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Wandering sheep. I think uh, we've all been through spaces in our life where we wander. And if you know anything about these sheep, there's 99 that stayed right where they were told, and there was one that didn't stay. And he probably saw a nice thing of like leaves up on a hill and decided to go for it, and he kept going, right? This totally happens to us and to other people in that we sometimes you would, you, where you end up is not where you intended to end up. You, you ask yourself a question like, how in the world did I end up here? Uh, this is not where I want to be. I'm lost. And I, I can think of people right now that I know of that they look at their life and they're like, this is not where I wanted to end up. This is not what I thought, where I thought I was going to be. What's interesting about this passage is that the shepherd goes and get, gets them. He puts them on his shoulders, carrying their weights and their burdens, and then he brings them home to a party. My question to me and to you today is, who's in your life that you see that's wandering off? They're, they're in a space where maybe they, they didn't plan on be there. They didn't know they were going to end up there. But they're now far away from any type of community. They're isolated or on their own. They've left the fold a long time ago. They're all, all alone. And they're wondering who in the world's going to help me. And the reality is that's you. And that's me. It says in Galatians, it says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill God's law. Take someone on your shoulders, listen to them in their suffering and in their pain, and say, let's walk on back together. Folks, we got a world living in isolation, and we need to be able to be those that can go, put people on our shoulders, bring them home, and then have a party, and say, I'm so glad you're here. The second one was, Lost coins. Luke, Jesus continues and he says, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends, her neighbors, and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is more joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Second type of people are lost coins. And I always think of this, but, but if, you look at a, if you look at a coin, and if I asked you, like, how much is this worth? You're like, 25 cents. Well, what if, I, what if I scraped it up? What if I colored it up? What if I stepped on it? What if I threw it away? What if I did a bunch of things to this coin? Does its value change? What if, what if I marked it and said this 25 cents actually equals one cent? Did it change the value? No. You guys, we have a world of people that don't know their value. 
we, we say we're not valuable this or, or there's, a, there's a mark. I, I must not be valuable because I'm not as a shiny as the other one. But God looks at each one of us and says, no, no, no. I've created you. I decide your worth. Jesus said in Luke 12, 6 and 7, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And are not one of them, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head, even you bald people, are all numbered. He knows your follicle number, okay? <laughs> Fear not. You are more valuable than these sparrows. I wonder how many people, maybe even in this room, were like, who sees me? Who knows that I matter? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? I think it's interesting it says that she lights a lamp. In Scripture, when it talks about lighting a lamp, that often has to refer to prayer. Who in your world have you disconnected from that you don't know? You know what the first step is to coming back to seeing that lost person coming home? Light a lamp. Come back into the place of prayer and say, God, I don't know where my sister is, my cousin is, my so-and-so is. They are lost. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in their heart. First thing we do is we light a lamp. And then we sweep the house and we seek diligently until we find it. I wonder if there's somebody in your world on Facebook, in your phone, a neighbor down the street that you're called to go seek out to reconnect with them and let them know their value. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Carry them home and have a party. Catching a theme? There's a party. People need to know that they're celebrated, that they're wanted, that they're needed. Wandering sheep, lost coins, reckless sons. I was looking up the word prodigal and I just didn't like the word. Like who uses the word prodigal? Maybe everybody, but anyway, I had a hard time with the word. So I, I looked it up and another definition or synonym is the word reckless. And if someone is reckless, they, they might not know what they have. This story, Luke 15, 11 through 24 says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. The son, the younger son, did not understand, I think, the consequences of his actions. He did not get the impact of his decision of going off, taking all he had, selling it all, and, and doing. he was making a massively impactful decision, but I don't think he got it. I mean, how many of us in this room, if you would look back 10 years ago and be like, man, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have done that differently. But it's sometimes it's like in the moment of our big decisions, often we don't have the, the, the recognition of what's going on. The reckless son didn't, didn't understand the impact of his decisions. And those around him, man, this has been hard, had to stand around and watch. Imagine being that father and being like, this is going to not work out well for you, but okay. He knew exactly, the younger son knew exactly what his father thought. 
I'm sure his son, his dad, you know, like any father and son, any mother and daughter, like, you know what each other thinks before you say a word. You know that look, right? Like, I would be getting in trouble on a Sunday morning because my dad would be preaching, and if I was, like, playing around, he'd just give me the look. And I knew I was dead when I got home. Like, it was just... That's all there was to it. But like, there's a thing between parents, like you know what each other thinks. And here's this father giving away a third of the inheritance, giving away all of this to his son. Son knows exactly what dad thinks. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, there where he squandered his property in reckless living. He was on this journey of discovery. And there was a simple space. He had two choices. He was going to figure it out or he had to trust those of what, what, trust those that have gone ahead of time and trust their decision. But don't you, I feel like I've heard this from anybody that's had any sort of life experience. I wish that they could learn from my mistakes. Anyone ever said that? I wish that they could just do it differently than me. But there's something about us in our younger space that we're like, I want to figure it out for myself. And so he goes, and it says this, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and that no one and nobody gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. It's amazing how being hungry, lonely, and not feeling good can transform your thinking. When I'm comfortable, when I have everything I need, it's amazing how I'm able to rationalize things, come to all sorts of conclusions. But the reality is, when my needs aren't met, what, what do I know? And reality is that often the, the, the veil will lift in those spaces. That simple decision to leave his father's house cost him dearly. Not that he, because he left, not because he had the inheritance, but because he did it outside of any sort of a blessing from his father. He was just like, I'm going to go do my thing. And in that space, he suffered consequences. He was kind of like the wandering sheep that went off on his own. I think what's hard about this story, probably for any father in this room, is that only he could make the choice. The father had to let him go read this book a little while ago and there was this one interesting line and it said this, lead, follow, and get out of the way. When you got a little two-year-old, I'm not going to let her do a lot of leading. She doesn't get to drive the car. She doesn't get to decide what she's going to eat. She, her, her choices are kind of limited. In fact, she's really tiny so I can just pick her up and move her wherever I need her to go. But the time will come when, when Isabella will grow up and she'll start getting more and more decisions. Lead, follow, get out of the way. In the space of leadership, you're setting the tone. You're saying, this is the way we're going to do things. This is how we're going to do it. This is the way it is. You can actually go to the next slide. 
And then in the place of following, you're, you're no longer giving direction or teaching, but you're coaching and listening, a sounding board, a support system, giving them advice and stories when asked. And lastly, get out of the way. This involves getting a person the right to not take advice, empowering them to lead and to celebrate their success. I really think this is the, the process of all relationships that come together. There's that space of leading. There's that space of following after and supporting. And then there's that place of getting out of the way. And guess what, guys? The Holy Spirit does the exact same thing with us. He will turn to each one of us and he'll say, this is my word, follow in it. And then we find ourselves in spaces where we don't hear the voice of God so clearly, but we remember what he said. And then we're going, and the Spirit of God gives us little nudges here and, the, here and there. And then there's a space of get out of the way, and there's a space where God keeps growing us into greater leadership. Folks, this is also what happens, I believe, in parenting. And every relationship, every parenting or mentoring relationship at some point ends. The father in this parable, you look at him and you ask, well, was he a good dad? Did he mess up? I'm sure he was questioning when his son was far away. Did I mess up? Did I not do this well? I think the promise to the father in this is this. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. When God's truth gets planted in our hearts, it will always bring a harvest, period, to every kid, every person's life. The son comes back, and he says this, I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And the father came, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran, and he embraced him. And the son said to him, Father, I've messed up. But the father said, Bring quick the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for my son was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he's found. And they began to celebrate. Again, Joy. Just because he went away doesn't mean he wasn't a son anymore. Joy. The father waited for his son's return. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him, felt compassion, ran, and embraced him and kissed him. You will always be family no matter what you do. There's always a path home. And I want to say this to any parent or any person that's waiting on a, on a loved one to, to turn to Christ or whatever. I, I want to say, you are not powerless in the process. And I, I wrote these words down. I think, this is, I think this is on God's heart. We're called to pray more and not just, speak, not, not just speak less, but pray more, but speak his word. That people in our world need to hear the word of God, not our wisdom, not our ways, but God's word, which always brings an increase. Wandering sheep, lost coins, reckless sons. And then I got this, John 4, 35 to 37. Jesus said, do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, 
I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering the fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Two thoughts to this. Gardening and harvesting. It's really exciting to see when someone comes and accepts Christ. When someone turns their heart to Jesus, that's the work of harvesting. But most of the time, the work is work of gardening. Here's what I mean. Harvesting has to do with people coming to Christ that the gospel goes from fuzzy to clear and from clear to real. That God, the good news of how Jesus came and set his, his son in our hearts, that that space becomes a place of like, wow, I see it, I know it, I believe it. But the place of gardening has so much more to do with walking with people and asking questions like this. What do you mean by that? Why do you believe that? How do you come to that conclusion? Have you ever considered, how can I pray for you? You read the book of Job and you'll find that Job had a lot of questions and a lot of frustrations with God, just like a lot of people. But what turned things around is the way God interacted with Job. God asked Job tons of questions. For those in your world that don't know Jesus, those of you that want to see people in your life come and hear who God is, probably the best thing you can do is ask them a question. Not even to convince them, but honestly just to convey, hey, I care about your story. I care about who you are. Ask them a question. When they say, I don't believe in Jesus, what do you mean by that? Why do you believe that? How did you come to that conclusion? Have you ever considered, how can I pray for you? The thing about asking questions is that it honors the voice of the person and it also opens up the heart. This is the work of gardening. We sit down with a cup of coffee or tea or Jamba Juice or whatever and we sit and we listen and we ask people about them. We hear who they are and from that, it says that a man of wisdom in Proverbs knows how to draw out the heart. In your life and in your place, are there people that you call to ask, you're called to ask them questions? Walking with them, carrying their burdens, hearing their heart. Most of us focus on the space of the, the big moment, someone coming to know Christ, but it's the work of gardening that we're called to often. Lastly, harvesting. If you know it, read it with, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think every, most of the world, or at least America, knows, knows that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was reading a story this week about a guy who brought his friend he had this old art collection, a whole bunch of art. And he showed him the front. And he's like, look, here's all these amazing pieces of art. 
And he's like, here's this one. And he's like, isn't this incredible? And he shows him the art. And he's like, wow, that's, that's great. Shows him the next piece. Wow, wow. Goes through the entire thing. And he asks the friend. He, the, the guy goes and he's like, so what'd you think? And he's like, yeah, it was okay. I'm not that impressed. Each one of those works of art was a priceless masterpiece. The friend turned to him and said, I'm sorry, but these works of art are not on trial anymore. Like, they've already passed the cut. These are works of art. And, and I think I just butchered that story. But basically, <laughs> basically what I'm trying to say is that there will be people that will be impressed with who Jesus is. There will be people that will not be impressed with who Jesus is. All you can do is show him. This is what he's done in my life. This is who he is. This is the promise of his word. And there will either be a wow in their heart or there won't. If there isn't a wow in their heart, it's because they haven't seen him yet. They haven't encountered who the living God is. You can only lead people to Christ whose hearts open and they see the wow of who God is. God wills that nobody perish, right? says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And actually, in fact, just go there real quick with me. I wasn't planning to do this, but we're going here. John 3, we always talk about John 3, 16, but John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through them. What is he saying? God's not coming to condemn. God accepts everyone, okay? Everyone is fully loved by God. There's this invitation that God brings, but then it says this in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now, is God being a big meanie and saying, well, you didn't believe my son, I'm going to send you hell? No. The context is invitation. If I refuse an invitation, I refuse the gift. It's like being in a third story of a burning building. The fireman's standing outside and he says, jump. And I look at him and say, you're not strong enough to catch me. And I stay in the building. What happens to me? I'm condemned. Was the fireman mean? Was he not caring for me? No, the opposite. He was saying, come to me. He was saying, I'll catch you. But if I don't jump, I stay. So what's the issue? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. He jumps. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed or trusted in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment, the light that comes into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that he may be clearly seen that his works are carried out by God. The only way to heaven is through childlike faith. Heard a story of a bunch of people in England 
they heard who Jesus was and they read that we're supposed to change our ways and we're supposed to get baptized and they didn't know what they meant. One guy said, well, I think that has something to do with water. We're supposed to all get into water. And the guy, another guy's like, awesome. Okay, so let's all go home. They all went home and everybody took a bath because they thought that's what baptism meant. Following Jesus is simply a childlike faith that says, Jesus, I don't have it all figured out, but as much as I understand, I'm coming after you with everything. As much as I grasp it in my heart, I, if that means you want me to take a bath, okay, I guess I'll take a bath every day. You know, like whatever. Like I'm, I'm coming after Jesus with everything I understand, that childlike faith, and that is the only way. Child like faith, to take him at his word. Those who don't take him at his word stay in the burning building. Everyone is fully loved by God. Everyone receives an invitation. Those who don't trust perish. And eternal life means life forever and for today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're all called to harvest, but often a lot of us, I think we need to do the bulk of the work, which is gardening, and that's walking with people in their everyday life. There's people all around you. Some are wandering sheep that you need to run after, reconnect with them again. Some of them are lost coins. They need to know their worth again. You need to go find them. And some of them are reckless sons. And those guys, those gals, you got to stand on the porch sometimes and wait. Wait for them to return. Keep the light on. Keep your heart open and say, there's always a way home. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and I think the reason why I'm sharing this today is probably some of you are about to go to family parties and all sorts of spaces, and, and you're going to be in spaces where you're going to need to ask some questions. You're going to need to walk alongside some people. You're going to need to ask them, what do they mean by that? Hear their heart and to convey, show Jesus and say, this is what he's done in my life. He really has transformed all things. Nick, if you could pop on up, that'd be cool. Maybe you got a person in your mind that you're thinking of, or maybe you're that person. If God, if Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, then God's just mean because he had his son die on a cross. Who does that to their son? Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, um, nobody knows where the wind goes, but you see its effects. The way of a life transformed of God, you can't always point out and see the, how it all fixed, but I can tell you that any life that's come in contact with Jesus is forever transformed. So if you're not convinced, I challenge you to look at his promises and to say, I'm going to take a step of faith. You can't follow Jesus 
and jump out the window or not jump out the window. You're either going to or you're not going to. This is why the Bible talks so much about a public declaration of your faith. Why? Because it's saying, I'm jumping in. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean I'm all in. If you could all just close your eyes with me. Hope I didn't put you to sleep today. Holy Spirit, um, we need to hear from you. And I just pray for anybody in this room, God, that's saying, I, I don't know if I know you. Jesus came sinless. He died. He was raised to life. He paid the price for your sin, my sin. And for all those who put their trust in him, he promises eternal life. There is no other salvation on this planet except through Jesus Christ. If you're in a space this morning where you're like, man, I'm an, I've been a wandering sheep. <laughs> I'm lost and I don't even know where to go. Or I'm a, I'm a lost coin. I don't even know my worth. I, I want to know what God says about me. He says about you that you're spotless, you're pure. He paid, he bankrupted heaven. He gave up all of heaven just for you. And then he redeemed it all. Or maybe you're a reckless son. You're like, I'm on a journey. I'm going to do my thing. And you just need to know this morning that God's waiting for you at the door. I'm waiting for you until the day you come back. If, if you're in a space this morning where you want to give your heart to Jesus and say, I want to make you the leader of my, my life today, could you just raise your hand? If you're in a space this morning and, and you're like, man, I got some friends, some family, some people in my world that they're wandering sheep, lost coins, and reckless sons, um, and you want to, just somebody comes to mind, could you just, could you just raise a hand? Yeah. Yeah. God, we just thank you. We're not, we're not the Savior. We're not the Transformer, but you are. Spirit of God, we just thank you for the loved ones that you're calling home. And I just pray today, God, that as we step out to be shepherds, to put people on our shoulders, to scour and look after people, God, that have been lost and wait at the doorpost for those, God, this, oh God, that they would come home. God, I pray that we would have a father's heart, a father's heart that would wait, a father's heart that would pray, a father's heart that would speak out worth, a father's heart that would listen and ask questions. Holy Spirit, would you give us each here a heart that loves with your love? And we just pray all that in Jesus' name. Hey, could you all stand on up with me this morning? You know, the gospel isn't really complicated, but it is transforming. And I'm going to ask uh, Ginny if you can come forward and, and Jason. And if you want prayer for anything this morning, we want to pray with you and just walk with you in it. And I challenge you to come forward, especially if it's something that seems impossible. God loves those kind of prayers. So if we could put up our benediction up on the screen and let's all pray this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you for the party next week.
probably be about till 2 p.m.